So now God be present unto us. Remind us that we are yours. Remind us of who we are in you and your steadfast love toward us. Have your way. And we will be grateful and offer you glorious praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, honor God. I want to raise just a portion of the scripture you read, you heard this morning from John chapter 20. And I want to begin at verse, uh, verse 14. After saying this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you crying? For whom are you looking? Supposing that he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you are the one who has carried him away from here, tell me where you put him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in the Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may take your seats. I want to talk, and, and I'm just going to talk a little bit. just want to talk a little bit from this theme. It's my assignment, and this is part two. Uh, for those of you who don't know, know this, today is Orthodox Easter. Last Sunday was Western celebration of Easter. Today is Orthodox Easter. And while this is not quite an Easter message, it's on the theme that we normally attribute to Easter. It's my assignment, part two. I, I, I wanna talk because I want you to get something different for the next few moments. So pay close attention to me. The empty tomb is the stage of the mystery of God and the transformation of the divine human relationship. The empty tomb is the stage of the mystery of God and the transformation of the divine human relationship. For all of our celebrations surrounding Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, there is something transformative that is happening that we rarely talk about. We celebrate the resurrection, we celebrate ascension, we celebrate these aspects of our faith. What we don't talk about very often is the change in the dynamic relationship between God and humanity. 
hold to an incarnational theology that God was in Christ or in Jesus. And if you hold to that, then you hold a belief that in Jesus all the Godhead dwelled. And so you hold a belief that says that when Jesus was on the earth in human form, he was yet divine. This moment here is the beginning of that complete shift from a human interpersonal experience with God to a completely different experience. It, it, angels and grave shrouds that's the cloth on his head and the wrapping around his body, marked the last place where he laid on earth and are the genesis of mystery. Yeah. They're the genesis of mystery. They're the genesis of spiritual truths known only by revelation. It's what mystery is for us. A spiritual truth known only by revelation. So that if people can't understand it, it's because it has not been revealed to them. That in the absence of revelation, you can't get mystery. This text marks what is an ending and a new beginning. It marks what is an ending and a new beginning. And if you read closely, you read it really closely, you, you, you begin to see a picture developing of not only what is resurrection theology, but you actually get a close picture of the early church post the death of Jesus, trying to explain mystery to people coming up in the faith. Because the gospel is really simply an explanation of what eyewitnesses had seen. And if so, then you have to catch the editorial notes in the explanation so that you can see what the editor and redactor were adding to and eliminating from so that they could make a story clear. It should come as no surprise to you then that it must be an editorial note that the writer says that when she saw Jesus, she didn't recognize him. It is intentionally in the text. 
If one was simply trying to get you to hold to a blind faith, you would leave that out. Because you would want people to think that there was an immediacy. She saw Jesus, she knew Jesus, Jesus knew her. Woohoo! But this, this new beginning, is physical has ended and spirituality has begun. Physical has ended. The body, like unto the body of Moses, is not there to be found. But spirituality has begun. It's no accident if you read up the beginning of the chapter. And, and you really should read the whole chapter. Because this story is different from the one we read last week. This story, the disciples have come and checked and they have left. They've gone back to their places. Now Mary Magdalene comes and checks after everybody has checked. And when she comes, there are two angels sitting on the slab where Jesus was. One at the head and the other at the feet. And when she peers in, even the sight of angels couldn't stop her from crying. Even the very sight of angels as she would have had to describe it could not make her tears cease. I, I, I digress for a moment, just momentarily. You know, sometimes people think that if you can have this high ecstatic moment of divine revelation, that everything else goes away automatically. That all of the emotions related to your flesh are then suppressed and now you have reached a new level of spiritual nirvana, but it is not so. She sees angels, and yet she weeps. She sees angels. They're talking to her. They're speaking into her spirit, and yet she weeps. This is a transitional moment. Because right now, right now, in the heavens and on the earth, the flesh now gives way to spirit. And the hardest thing to do is to get to the point where you move from flesh to spirit. <laughs> Here she is. 
She's here. And I want to talk in the few minutes I have left. You probably have to listen to this later because it's going to get a little interesting. In the few minutes I have left, I want to talk about three movements to her transformation. Three movements. She goes there looking for the body of Jesus. She's already been once. The other women are not there with her. She's back again. Guess who's back? Back again. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Again. She's there. And she is in the midst of weeping. First transformation, first movement. She goes from weeping to wondering. From weeping to wondering. <sighs> okay, work with me for a moment. She's been crying all day. I, I, I can't, I've got to rephrase this because I can't put it the way they said it because it was a little crass and I'm in church. But my, but my good friend, uh, uh, Dr. Edward P. Harding Jr. and Miss Karen Harding, they were in Springfield pastoring. And Karen is from Springfield. Ed is from North Carolina. So when they got ready to move and he was changing churches, he took a church in D.C. It's many years ago. And Karen's sisters were all there. And, and they got up and they had words of expression at this huge banquet as Martin Luther King Presbyterian Church was celebrating his departure. And one of Karen's sisters, who shall not be named, she stood up and she said, I done cried so much, I can't even go to the restroom. a lot of tears. Sister girl been crying all day and if you read the text closely enough what you have here is passionate pathos. The word here, eclean, uh, appears eight times in John's gospel and four times in reference to Mary's lament. The term is used for the anguish, crying, or wailing associated with heavy mourning and noisy lamentation. She, this girl, had been boohooing. She had been crying. No regular tears. Because, see, they did not get it. Jesus had predicted his, his movement. He had told them of what would happen. If you read John 16, 20, Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. Jesus knew he was going. He knew what would happen. They didn't and they didn't get it. Even seeing the empty tomb did not give it to them all at once. 
The thought of an immediate revelation should be wiped out of your mind. It was more information than revelation. Okay. Some of y'all are getting nervous. Don't get nervous. I got this. She's weeping. She's weeping. And notice what the text says. I, I want, I want you to, to see this one more time. The text says, verse 14, says she's standing outside the tomb sobbing, stooped down, and she looked in. Verse 12 says she saw two angels sitting there, one at the head and one at the feet, of where the body was. Verse 13 says that the woman, that, that someone said, and they said to her, woman, why are you crying? She told them, I told you, information, not revelation. She told them, second time visit, and here's her thinking, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Her thinking was, somebody stole his body, and I've got to get it back. Now, now, now lest you all miss this key point here, this assignment thing that's in her heart about this body, because in Jewish theology and the way of Jewish custom, taking care of the body of a loved one was both an honor and a necessity, and you did it no matter what, at whatever cost, and she was willing to do this to honor the Lord. She wanted him to be honored completely. And she's thinking that they're taking him away. She's, she is crying both over the fact that he is dead and crying because she has not been able to give ministry. You want to know how important that body was? If you read 1 Samuel chapter 31, 7 through 13, you'll read in there when Saul and his sons were slain at Mount Geboa that the Philistine army cut off their heads and then they hung up their bodies. And when they fastened their bodies on the wall of Beth Shem, when they did so, the, the, the men of Israel, the valiant men, the men came together and they said, there's no way we can leave him there. There's no way we can leave him there. They went, valiant men of, of the children of Israel went in and took their bodies and buried them properly. Because we'd rather die going to take care of them. That's how important it was to her as well. I need to bless him. And when she first sees, as she moves away from the door, she sees a figure standing there. She does not see that figure as Jesus. She sees him, and at that wee hour of the morning, supposing him to be a gardener, is what the text says. She sees him. She hears him. He asks her a question. Who are you looking for? Her response is, she's looking for the Lord. She's looking for Jesus. And at that moment, you would think, but she is now wondering what is going on now. What 
what's happening here? What is in this situation? Can I say this to those of you who are going through stuff right now? You're in the midst of the weeping moment in your life and you're wondering what's happening and what's gonna happen. How is this going to turn out? I wanna tell you something, that as a believer, if you will hold on to one thing, that whatever happens, it's gonna work out for my good. See, see, I don't, yeah, people get upset with me because I don't get upset. They get upset with me because when things go wrong, I don't freak out. And they upset with me when change happens, I don't lose my mind. The reason I don't is because I am certain of one thing, that this world still belongs to Abba, and Abba is our Father. And if God still rules the world, sooner or later, it's gonna turn in my favor. But uh, the reason I put wondering in here is this. My humanity still wonders how. Don't be upset because your faith gets a little shaky and you start wondering how will God work it out or how will things be fixed? Don't be moved by that because that's a part of the natural part of your human processing of the vicissitudes of life. There are times when you will wonder, can this be? Will this work out? Will this ever end? Will my tears ever be dry? Will my head ever feel better? Will my body align with God? Don't be upset because that crosses your mind. The wandering is a part of the humanity that you will now live within. She's wondering. Uh, somebody ought to feel a little better already. She's wondering. And, and, and some would say that she moves from wondering to worshiping. I gotta pre preach this out. I'm gonna get this out my soul right here. I feel like preaching. Let me work it. Here you go. At some point, she goes from non-recognition to recognition. Okay. Let me let me let me get it again. I need I need to bless somebody right now. At some point, she goes from non-recognition to recognition. She's there. She supposes he's the gardener. She's there. She's wondering who he is. Tell me where he is. I'm a, I'm a woman and I know he's a man. He was bigger than I am, but I'll pick him up and bring him back myself. I'll do it. I got this. I got, I'll take care of it. And now, in the presence of Jesus, verse 16 says, something happens. And, and uh, let me, <laughs> let's read verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned to him 
and said, Rabboni. Stop right there. Wait a minute. You looked right at him and didn't know? But when he called your name, You, you, I need to help somebody. You, 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 you were right there near, but you didn't know. But when he called your name, oh, thank you, Lord. You know my name. I wish I had a witness right there. Somebody in here ought to get excited. He knows your name. I don't know about you, but, 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 but my mama could be in a room with a hundred other people, but if she calls, it's something about the way her voice is. I would hear her over everybody else because she knows my name. I feel like preaching up in here. I, I got good news for you. This, 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 this is, this is, this transforming recognition shifts our focus from physical expectations to experiential innermost enlightenment. Ah, yeah, I'm going there. Ah, yeah, yeah. Stay with me for a few minutes. I'm almost done. I really am. I'm going to stop. I'm there's something about this text that gets to me. Let's explore. Okay, so we could say she might not have recognized him because we did say she was putting some heavy crying in. You, you, you've heard the expression, blinded by tears. That, that would help, that would help. But I'm not sure if I saw somebody I thought was dead walking, I wouldn't recognize her. Tears or no tears, I've, I've, been, I've cried pretty hard, but I don't know. But, but that's what, okay, maybe we say it was the early morning. Cause it was, but, but remember now, she and the other ladies showed up early in the morning and they left, went and told disciples, disciples then came up there and then they left and now she back there. So how early could it be? If the sun is rising, it don't take but so long to get up. Are y'all following me? In other words, to dismiss it with the logic of those two things probably cheapens the real mystery here. Because what she doesn't recognize is him in a spiritual form. which is pressed into the text by the next verse when he says, I have not yet ascended unto my father. Come on here, come on here. But she knows that the essence of Jesus resides in what she is seeing. And she recognizes that this is different than anything 
I've ever experienced because I heard something that resonated at a deeper level within my existence. Something resonated with me when he called my name. I just need to talk to somebody who's had Jesus call your name. Because see, if, you, if you've ever been born again and you've ever had an experience with God, he's called your name. And when you feel it, you know what you know. You know the anointing. You know the presence. You know the power. You know what you know. Because there's something on the inside that is enlightened by the very presence of God. From that moment, from that moment, uh, she starts worshiping him. I, I wish I had time. Do you know why this is important? Because revelation in New Testament, post-resurrection, always seemed to happen by certain actions and not by visualization. Okay, y'all missed it, went over your head. So when they were at the waterfront fishing after he died and was resurrected, and they all went back, Peter said, I go fishing. They said, we go too. They out there on the boat just doing their thing. And the man on the shore, they tell, he tells them, cash your net on the other side. They get a good drop. When did they figure out who he was? when they got the miracle y'all y'all ain't y'all ain't caught this yet i'm 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 busting y'all down something so good this is so deep, deep. but kenny they, they this is on another level i'm done with i'm in the basement today i'm in the basement i'm in the basement, I'm in the basement right i'm i'm trying to take you somewhere let me let me wrestle with it you 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 remember on the emmaus road when Jesus shows up and has a conversation with them, that these people had been in his presence and now they're talking about him, testifying about his life and everything to him. And they're right next to him, but they don't recognize him. And But it was not until he did what? He blessed and broke the bread that all of a sudden they got revelation let me help you right here what you need to know is that god is going to reveal god's own self to you in your lifetime in ways that are going to give revelation to you and nobody else may not be able to pick up on why it was meaningful to you but you have to know that god will reveal god's own self to you in a way that matches what you need in order to get revelation. Uh, I, got, I got one last thing. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. They, they, she wanted to worship him. She went to grab him and she was worshiping him. And Jesus said, no, uh, I know we're we going to worship we're not going to finish this worship right now. 
she said, he said, but I'm going to commission you. So she went from worshiping to witnessing. The last verse in her section says that Jesus told her, go tell my disciples. Y'all missed it. Now, I just have to ask y'all a question. Don't you think that the writer's trying to make several points here? I'm sure you've seen them already. You, 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 you over here, y'all. Yeah, so I'm just, uh, to the five people that didn't get it, watch this. There's several things the writer's trying to do here. Now, he had women show up the tomb early, first. And then the men come up later, Johnny come lately, brothers. And then now, a woman goes back to the tomb, has this triune visitation, two angels and Jesus. And now, she's sent back out again to tell them rascals one more time. You missed it, you missed it. In court, back in those days, a woman's testimony would not even be accepted. So how is it that if you were going to try to prove something and you're the early church, how is it that you don't try to rewrite the story and have the men telling the story so that it would be proven as good testimony? Y'all gonna get this in a minute. Why would you end up, it didn't work the first time, why would you send this woman back the second time to tell the men what they didn't get the first time? Why would you send her back again? And you know what, I thought I would just tell y'all something, and I'm all done right here. Because God does not care about what you think about his plan. His plan is to save. His plan is to heal. His plan is to deliver. And he doesn't care what vessel he uses. Man, woman, boy, or girl, every one of us ought to be witnessing to the move of God in our lives. I can't tell you what he did for you, but I can tell you what he's done for me. He picked me up, turned me around, placed my feet on solid ground, and I've got an assignment to tell the world he is Lord. Come on, give God a praise. Well, every, every head bowed, every eye closed, I appreciate God. There's a witness. I've got something to say. I can't tell you about anyone else's experience. I can only tell you mine. I can only tell you what he's done for me. I can tell you what I've seen. And because God has been good to me, I share that goodness with you. And there's a place in God 
that each of us can get to that's deeper than what we see and goes to the core of our very inner being where you and God have a permanent trysting place to meet anytime you could be in the doctor's office and communing with God. You could be in the surgeon's room and commune with God. You could be at the police station and commune with God. You, you could be going into the lawyer's office and commune with God. And the good news is he'll meet you there. He'll meet you there. One extended invitation as your eyes are closed, your heads are bowed. Maybe there's someone today who does not have a place of worship, who desires to be a part of the Shiloh family. <clears throat> I want to extend to you <coughs> an invitation. <coughs> you can come. If you're here today and you want to be a part of this church family, lift your hand up. The ushers will hand you some information. If you're online, I want you to call me or email me and say, I want to be a part of that faith community. I want to be a part of that church. I want to be there. I want to be there. Anointing fall on me. Fall on me come on somebody <clears throat> yeah 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 fall on me let the power fall anointing just tell you I love you all the love of the Lord we're getting ready to close now again I'm just excited to see your beautiful faces uh, want you to continue to worship God um, at the close of worship today for those of you sitting in the audience today I'll ask you to give your gifts on your way out the door if you're giving by cash app or by givelify you can give electronically right now or you can still mail in your offerings that some are still doing and you can just give them on your way out the door you can just leave them with the usher 
I still remind you, don't forget our capital stewardship campaign. We continuously need your support. Also, I want to remind you that we still need more volunteers for ministry. Uh, every Friday we do food distribution and some of our good volunteers are not going to be available coming up soon. So we're going to need some new volunteers to help out. Uh, we've got we've got some good ones. Uh, I can't tell anybody business, but I can say some people are, are going to become um, uh, snowbirds. They'll be here sometime and in Florida sometime. And so we're going to be missing. Uh, but but I, but we love our all of our volunteers. We need your help. So when we distribute food, we need people to help us get it out to families. So we're going to keep helping. And so you can call the office. My wife would love to sign you up or Brittany would love to get you involved. There are a lot of things that we need to do in service of the community. Continue to give. Continue to do. The church is going to try and do what we can to make this world a better place on your behalf and with your help. Amen? Amen. I love you all the love of the Lord. Also, I just can't, um, I can't tell you <coughs> enough how grateful I am for last week. What a great job. Our music ministry, our youth ministry, Elder Wade, Elder Varner, Venetia Clark, Nicole brought us, Yvonne Toby, let me tell you, all of them just beautiful, beautiful. The, 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 the work was just wonderful, and I want to thank our audio video ministry for doing a great job in supporting them. Just a wonderful job of sound. It's, it's, it's something else, beautiful worship, and I can't thank all of you enough. I'll see you on Tuesday night online. Be here teaching Tuesday night, Wednesday, 1 o'clock for prayer. Amen. Well, I love each one of you. Please keep uh, um, uh, Chaplain Camille in your prayers. We're looking forward to her uh, coming. She's going to be preaching for us real soon. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Sister Wilson. Hey, welcome home. Good to see you. Hello. I, did, I wouldn't have recognized you. Pull your mask down so we can see your pretty face. You know Elder? You know Elder? She reading my mind. She knows just what I'm saying. She knows every one of them words I just said. I love you too. Amen. Keep praying, amen. I ask you to keep Elder Camille in your prayers, uh, 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 Chaplain Camille in your prayers, and keep Elder Martin in your prayers who's not been doing well. Sister Marion's story has not been well. Please keep in your prayers. Sister Teresa, we, we're still praying. Sister Terry, we're still praying for your, your mother, amen. And we're praying for each one of you. Every one of you, we love you all with the love of the Lord, amen. Come on, y'all, let's get ready to get out of here. We're getting ready to close. Praise and worship, y'all, y'all kicking it, y'all doing your thing. Come on, y'all.
one of you with the love of the Lord. I know I know some people say that we are overly cautious, still wearing masks, and we're not gathered out around the altar, and we're not bunching up, going into the office, any of that stuff. The reason we don't do it is because we rather be safe than sorry. Amen. And I hate to tell you, we still have loved ones and friends that are still getting this virus and are still getting these variants. So let's just stay as safe as possible so we can keep worshiping in person and keep these numbers going down. And sooner or later, we'll get past it or we'll learn how to live with it, but let's go slow, all right? I love you all with the love of the Lord. Be careful out there. May the blessing and peace of Almighty God and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you. Now henceforth and evermore. And all of God's people said, Amen. And guess what we say? Shalom. Ushers will guide you out. Oh.